0: Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way to our clinical licensure.
1: Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. I'm here today with Tierra Senga, LMSW, always an advocate for herself and others. Today's guest hails from Detroit, Michigan. Now a Georgia transplant, Tierra Senga is a licensed master social worker who earned both her undergraduate and graduate degrees in social work from Troy University. Tierra has worn a multitude of hats within the macro, meso, and micro sectors of social work during her tenure as a social worker. She is a domestic violence proponent, hero of health care, mental health supporter, and a self care fervent. Tiara's social work career is just warming up as she prepares for what the universe has in store for her next. Tiara and her husband, Stephen, co own Color Us Green a plant nursery located in Columbus, Georgia. Aside from her plethora of professional accolades, her most valued role is mother to two daughters ages five and one. Welcome, Tiara. Glad to have you on the show
0: today. Thank you. Glad to be here.
1: Tiara, as a plant mama myself, (laughs) How did you and your husband come to start a plant nursery? And what have been the benefits of getting into the plant lifestyle?
0: Well, actually, he is the plant guru. Um, He can find a plant. He can tell you everything about it from top to bottom. Um, Even when we're traveling, he'll see a shrub or a tree and he'll talk about it. Um, When we initially met, he was working at a plant nursery and he always talked about his dream of owning his own one day and during the pandemic it just came to fruition and especially during the pandemic when you know we were so isolated i think it was just um just so nurturing to have something that you can see just grow right in front of you um and it's been there ever since and we're just lucky that you know we were blessed enough to bring his dream to reality i'm kind of be- Kind of because I don't know a lot, <laughs> but I love them. Um, so it's awesome.
1: Do you get to hang out with the plants?
0: Oh, yeah, <laughs> I get to hang out. But he'll tell me like if he just makes sure I don't overwater them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, that's always an issue. I think I might have did that to one of my plants. I was looking at it this morning. Yeah. What have been? I I know I heard you say, especially during the pandemic, it's been it was really good to see something growing right in front of you. Like mm-hmm. now it's almost four years post 2020. What have been some of the uh, benefits you feel like you've gotten for uh, seeing your husband's dream come true?
0: Um, just watching, you know, him just to see his, um, tenacity, just not giving up, you know, although some, you know, most days and some days can look better than others. He's just still has his mind on the prize. He knows that, you know, this, he's in it for the long run. This is not just overnight success. And he's just, he's, he's so, I think that's why I fell in love with him, but it's just, just who he is he, he doesn't give up easily he's not going to take he doesn't care you can't push him down so it's it's just awesome to watch and to see the kids how they love it and interact and they're just one with nature they love the outdoors and um
1: it's just awesome i love that that's so it is awesome i'm wondering when you were just talking i was thinking about as an entrepreneur myself you know and listening to you talk about his tenacity his persistence and really realizing that this thing doesn't happen overnight, like how has seeing those characteristics and him creating this business from the ground up, you know, how are you being inspired by that in your social work career? Oh,
0: it, it really has inspired me. Um, I can recall in undergraduate, um, I used to hear people always say with, in social work, you know, you're in it for the outcome, not the income. And I definitely learned that you can be in the front of the income and the outcome <laughs> um, because just like, you know, we practice one thing that honestly you always um, preach and teach us is that you want to be uh, what you preach to your clients. So you want to be that face so you can tell clients to want more and do more if you're not doing the same. So we can also be change agents, but still make sure that we're paid the wages that we deserve, that we are um valued. Um, so that that showed me that just because we are in it for the outcome, that we also need to make sure that we're getting <laughs> what we deserve in all the ways. And that's not always financially. Um it's balance, it's the peace. Um again, yeah, my family is important to me. So I need the work life balance that comes with this job that some people aren't, you know, given in certain spaces. So it just depends on who you are, what you need. So.
1: Absolutely. I, um, when you were talking, I was about to go to the next question, but then when you just said that about is not just always about the income, which is awesome. And I love that, you know, that we can have pretty uh, nice incomes doing this work as well, but also the balance and the mm-hmm. phrase social work, soft life, I think I saw it on yes. LinkedIn recently. Yeah. Possibly yes. what, what does that mean to you?
0: Just on Sunday nights, I'm not stressed out about Monday morning. <laughs> that is so important where you're just not like, oh, my God. You know, whereas actually where, you know, the cases aren't just like swimming in your mind, where you're having nightmares about cases, because we do see things and hear things and the stories and the things that we experience, you know, compassion fatigue, the things that we carry. You know our jobs are um, definitely you know are important, and we we experience a lot with people, but just having where we can be compassionate, but also be compassionate for ourselves. You know, where it is soft, where we're not just so burnt out, where we're just like, oh, we're trying to get out the field in two or three years because we we've done it all. Like we, so that soft life where you have that balance and. I'm thankful that I'm experiencing that right now.
1: Yes, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> go on to our next question now, which is the real reason I asked you to come onto the onto the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. Tell me a little bit about your social work journey. We already kind of, you started a little and I was like, oh, I'm getting too too far away from <laughs> uh, what we want to do. But tell me a little bit about your social work journey. How did you get here? Where do you want to go? What are your plans, Tierra?
0: Um, my social work journey, um, uh, it started, I graduated in 2015 with my undergraduate. I did the advanced placement. So I graduated in the one year with my master's, both from Troy. Um, it was not supposed to go like that. I initially never, you know, growing up in Detroit, we never really heard of social workers. Um, mm-hmm. the only social worker I knew was if you miss too many days of school, they'll call a social worker. Um, So I initially, I was going to school to be RN. I had did everything up until like doing my clinicals. And then my dad got real sick. um, And he had end stage renal uh, failure. So um, his um, social worker, his renal social worker, she actually, he was in Michigan, and she would actually keep in contact with me. And she was just such an amazing human being. And just to have that communication with me, just like I could feel like I was right there throughout his treatment and everything that was going on. I was just like, I want to make that type of difference in somebody's life. So, you know, after that, he, you know, he passed away, unfortunately. After that, I just completely changed my, you know, mood and switch um, from the nursing and went to social work. Um, When I first started social work, I actually my first job was my internship for my undergraduate, which was in domestic violence. Um, I liked that. It was it was a great opportunity. I was more in the community, um, doing more of like speaking engagements. I worked with a lot of police, the sheriff's department, a lot of community organizations. It was awesome. It's like you basically, when you get out and touch somebody, <laughs> it was a lot of networking, a lot of moving parts. So that was just cool to see in that space. Yeah. Um, a, what a social worker can do. Like you could do so many things, and that job showed me that. Um, from there, I moved more totally different. I was doing more working with adolescents, um, juveniles in particular. And I learned from that that that's something I do not want to do. <laughs> they were amazing, but it's just such that age range that I was working with it was like 11 through 17. That's just such a sensitive um, age range to work with. Um, and just to see the dynamics with that. I lost a few of my youth to due to gun violence, and that really changed me. Um, so once I had my daughter and I knew my life was changing, my oldest daughter, I was just like, I can't do this. It was too much having a kid on my own and working with children, seeing them, you know, losing them one day and now I, I couldn't do it. Um so I went into the healthcare, I started working at the cancer center. Well then you see you know I was working with adolescents but you still see like the, the the side of like death and um the medical side it was amazing um I loved it um just to be able to work so closely with families in their time of need um just the different aspects however again it's all about the balance even though I love that job I love me and my family and everything more um so I needed something that not only bringing me joy, but also brings me balance. And that's where I landed where I'm at now. And I work, um, uh, I'm a social work case manager for one of the um, MCOs, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And it's amazing. I like it. It gives me what I need. Uh, it gives me the, the freedom that I need for my family, but also fills me up with being that social worker that I wanted to be all those years ago.
1: The social work soft life right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think, you know, first I want to say my condolences to you regarding your dad. I lost my dad too. So I I totally can relate to that. But I think it's so cool that you were so strongly impacted by a social worker in the hospital Mm -hmm. setting. And now you're in the medical social work field. It feels 360. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, you dealt with domestic violence, gun violence, you know, sometimes when I'm working with social workers, they think that the career or the job or organization that they're currently in is all that social work <laughs> is about. Mm-hmm. This must be all I can do. But you knew, you know, because those are some heavy populations to work with, you knew that you could shift careers. And I'm, I guess I'm curious, how did you know that that wasn't all there was and that there was this ability to move into a softer social work life?
0: Just learning more about the field, Um, just applying, applying myself, knowing, you know, the characteristics that social works possess. We can actually do anything (laughs) like literally (laughs) there's more than just therapy. You know, we, we are more than just a soft space. You know, we write laws, we write policies, you know, we, we are literally advocators. So, you know, we can be politicians because what we do, we advocate. So there is, you know, and my friend always says, like, you have to create your own glass ceiling. Like, there is no. I'm breaking through all that. If if I want it, I'm going to get it, and that's how I feel now. But it's it took time to get there. But now that I know, I feel like I'm unstoppable.
1: You are unstoppable. I love that. That's an affirmation. I am unstoppable. I love that. What I I'm curious. You know, you work closely with the police, and for some reason, that just kind of stuck with me when you were talking. I wanted to know if you could give us, um, because that's kind of like a buzz topic going on right now, social workers working with police. You worked with the police when, before it became like the thing for us to do, before the policies Mm -hmm. shifted for us to start doing that. What was that experience like for you?
0: It was was good. It was challenging at one point um, because we were talking about a sensitive topic of domestic violence. And I was going in just to tell them basically how to do their job when it came to domestic violence As you know, some people can perceive it that way, but I was not. And I just had to break it down to them. I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. Cause I can't, I'm just here to provide you tools so we can work together to um, decrease um, the amount of calls that we don't receive, you know, because people may be afraid to call, you know, on a domestic violence call, because we get a lot of people say, I don't want to call the police because they're not going to do anything. Or I called the police and they arrested me and I'm the victim. So we had to have those hard conversations and talk about that. And it was very eye-opening. So it, it was just the way that I brought it to the table. Like, I'm not here to train you. I can't train you how to be an officer. I don't know anything about that, but I'm here to work with you, um, we're here to work together so we can help others. And and that's how it was. And once we learned that we're here for, you know, the same reason to help and protect and support, just like, you know, that's your main thing. That's what I'm here for, to protect and serve. Um, And that's what we all have a duty to do.
1: And I think, that was a great answer, but I, I, I think that part of some resistant maybe on the you know professional side for social workers working with police is exactly yes. the same reason your clients weren't calling the police because they they felt like they wouldn't be receptive you know social workers yes. were often uh accused of wearing our hearts on our sleeve and some mm-hmm. of us do right and I, I and i think that's beautiful but uh, that is not often received well in those particular spaces. And so I guess mm-hmm. I'm curious, like, how how did, were you able to get them to receive the information that you were give? How did you get them to be receptive to what you were saying?
0: Pretty much facts. Um, th- there were incidents that happened and that, you know, one of their main points were, you know, some of their points, of course, some of their points were valid, you know, it's hard, you know, they felt like sometimes people were taking advantage um, of the police, you know, and they'll call just, you know, and they'll get upset at their quote unquote, you know, significant other or, you know, whoever, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever the person was, their partner, and they'll just use that as a weapon to call the police. So that's why, you know, that was some of their points that I keep going to the same house. It's never, you know, they're back with them within two hours, you know, it's kind of, you know, they're, wasting resources and my you know comeback was always but you may go to that house seven times on the eighth time that can be the time you change their life and save their life and there were circumstances that happened that way and we've seen you know issues that happen that way so you know the fire department may come to your house eight times but we want to make sure you know they come for on the night time they're keeping your house from burning down so put yourself in their shoes. Yeah, you know, it may take them a few times to get it right, which, you know, statistics say, you know, seven times before someone actually leaves their partner. So on that eighth time, you want to be the person that they are able to call and say, okay, I'm pretty ready to go.
1: I love that. And you know what, Tiara, it's making me even think about just our roles as a social worker, whether it's DV or just dealing with our, our day-to-day <laughs> client. So often we may have give a resource say a piece of advice do do something for our client but it's just it's just not gonna doesn't click, it doesn't yes. click for them, but it's they keep coming back but sometimes social workers can get frustrated and and, and want to just throw up their hands but you mm-hmm. just you just proved the point that it's not even just with police officers or the fire department or any of the helping professionals we got to mm-hmm. keep showing up for that eighth time And that could be the time that the client's like, oh, that's what Miss Tierra has been trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. That's what Renita's been trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. So what do you want to, where do you want to go in your social work career? I know you're currently living the soft life (laughs) and I love it because you have small Mm -hmm. children. And that's one of the things that I, you know, always want to just talk to. That's one of the things I wish I could go back and redo is like have that work-life balance and. And have a soft life while raising young children, and not be so focused on the career. But there, it's there, right? You've mm-hmm. got in your master's, you've got your license, you're working on your clinical. Like, what is it that you want? Where are you going with this career?
0: At this point, I feel like wherever the wind blows me. <laughs> like I, b- before I thought I had to have everything planned out, um, and I was just setting myself up, just. Because I was just making my own, you know, timelines. And that's not necessary at this point. I I want to, you know, I am working towards my LC. You know, I'll hopefully and will <laughs> have my hours by towards the end of this year. And who knows? You know, I, again, it has to have that balance for me. More than financial gain, more than anything, I have to have that balance. I, I don't want to be anywhere that I'm stressed. That you know, I'm pulling my hair out. That I hate to go to work on Sunday nights. I'm already thinking of a reason to call out on Monday. I can't do that. I don't care how much it is. (laughs) I can't do that. So as long as it you know feels bright, it feels good. I don't know where I'll be.
1: I love it. Staying Mm -hmm. open. That's that's perfect. But also, you know, you reminded me of something I was thinking of when you first was was talking. I think that because it is so historically stated in the profession within our graduated undergraduate programs that social workers won't make any money, we've just come to expect not to even ask for any money. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, where I'm hoping to help shift is like, Just because that's the way it's been done doesn't mean that has to be the way that it is. And that we, it's our responsibility, those of us in the profession now, to demand the the money that we are bringing into these agencies. When you look Mm -hmm. at the reimbursement rates that the insurance companies, whether it's Medicaid, Medicare, Blue Cross Blue Shield, whatever it is, gets Mm -hmm. for having our credential then how, mm-hmm. how are we getting reimbursed for that? And if we don't ask for that and stand up for ourselves, then we won't ever make any money. So we have to be the ones who do that.
0: We have to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's And if you don't ask, the answer will always be no. If you ask, at least you have a 50-50 chance of yes or no. So that's something that I'm, I'm, I definitely learned. Uh, like I said, we always advocate for our clients. We have to advocate for ourselves.
1: That's it. You can a only closed mouth your really doesn't get fed. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Katie Ray taught me that. I forget which episode Gabrielle did that, but a closed mouth does not get fed. And so going on to our next question here. That's such a great answer. A big reason I'm doing this podcast it is to promote the importance of being a community with other social workers. What social work communities do you currently belong to or what social work communities have you created? And what have you learned about yourself from or the profession from participating in those
0: communities? Um, the main social work community that I'm a part of right now is my supervision community, the goddesses of social work. And I've learned so much within a year. It's, it's amazing. Um, I feel like my, again, just... Everything just went through the roof when I joined. I feel like I got more motivated. I feel like I got more confidence. I feel like I got more drive just to be um, around so many talented and educated and just bad (laughs) social workers. it's, It's just amazing. I just love it.
1: That is awesome. What have you learned about yourself being in this community?
0: I learned not to put myself in a box. That's one of the biggest things that I've learned that you can do anything. I know one of the I don't want to speak too much on other people, but just seeing that people can do things like we were talking before about um, someone who was a mother who took a traveling uh, position like you don't matter because you're a mom or you you have a family. You can still do things. You know, I've seen people just, you know, quit their jobs um, and have another one lined up because we are. Worthy. You know, we are, it is a market for us. Before I used to be like, I can't do that. Yes, I can. (laughs) So I I I love that.
1: I love that too. You know, after supervision ends, you know, I guess I want to before you, before you're you're in the middle right now, right? Of this community. So were you in any social work communities before you got into the one you're currently in? And do you see the importance of being in community? And if so, how will you stay in spaces of community in the future?
0: I was not. I always would ask certain people or, you know, come across like social workers from who I went to school with or, you know, just try to network. I had a few friends that I kept in contact with from school, like some of my colleagues, but not just the community. You know, I would look around. I was looking for a mentor, just looking at different things and nothing ever matched up or fit. But when I joined this community, just it was just like a match from day one. I just felt at home. I never felt like that before. So that's how I knew this was different. It took me a while. It even took me a while to get my license. So when I finally got it, I was like, I'm not going to wait. I got to go ahead and just not waste any more time. Just go ahead and get supervision started. And that's what I did. But I actually could not find a good supervision group in Georgia. So that pushed me to get licensed to Alabama so I can join the goddess of the social work. And that was the best decision because I knew if this was going to be a two-year commitment, that I had to make sure that it was somewhere that I felt safe, um, that I felt heard, and that I just felt comfortable. All those things were so important to me because, again, I I haven't had that. I was around a lot of different healthcare professionals or just professionals, different fields, but not just social workers. Um, so when I found this group and it, it just felt so good and I'm just so grateful.
1: We're grateful you're here. I, you know, when you just said that you're not the, I've heard so many people talk about how difficult it was for them, whether it's in Alabama or a different state to find supervision um, to move on to the clinical. You don't have to speak about how you found us, but I'm curious, can you speak about what was that journey and why do you think it was so difficult to find supervision?
0: I don't, It Supervision, I, at first I went through, I just went a NA, NASW, tried to find some leads there and everyone, it just did not feel right. You know, it, it just was not a, I'm all about feelings and just the vibes and I'm that's the type of person I am. And every person I contacted I was just like, no, that's not going it's not going to work. So I was just like, yeah, and I reached out to some of my old colleagues, you know, who I already had there and they were like, well, I do it through work or you know, such and such. And then I was just like, oh. so I was like let me make a decision, but it has to feel right. Like I would just postpone it if it did not feel right. That's what took so long for me to actually take my test. Like, it don't feel right. Um, but I was just like, yeah, none of those felt right. So I think, um, I know cost is a big thing for a lot of people. Some people are charging just astronomical prices just for one hour upwards to like, I've seen where people are charging $150 per hour. And that's just a lot for someone who, just has their LM is working towards to get their LC. That's very um costly. Um and then the hours, um, just the time frames, a lot of people aren't, you know, accommodated when it comes to that. Either it's early in the morning or, you know, I'll just see you when I can. So just, you know, all the checking the boxes. It, it was it was hard.
1: I appreciate you sharing that. I didn't I've I've been writing about the difficulties of supervision and those are the cost is one but I didn't think about um the time availability being Mm -hmm. one and so the barriers and having to overcome those and then like you said being a good fit I think that's very important being a good fit for the person you're going to commit to for the next couple of years it's important so okay we got you in community we we weren't really you were piecemealing it before you were in community and so now that you're in it you see the importance you see the value that it's um giving your social work career how do you think you might maintain being in social work community moving forward
0: that's so important of course i'm going to stay apart of this community forever <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just because my hours are over i'm not going anywhere but <laughs> just making to making sure to um to take the initiative, um, just with anything, it, you have to take the initiative, whether that's creating a Facebook group, creating a group meet, creating a text message, you know, for those people. Um, I feel like in any relationship, and this is a relationship, any important relationship, you're going to do what you have to do to maintain that relationship. And that's the same with this.
1: Absolutely. I love that. What is one belief about social work that you started on this journey with that you feel has changed the most here?
0: Ooh. I think I'll go back to the income and not the outcome. Mm-hmm. I heard that so undergraduate where I was just like, so we don't never make no money. <laughs> that was really what I was saying, like, you know, to help these people. So that that was like that's always a big thing for me because um you want to be equipped to um like again practice what you preach we can't preach to our clients to reach for the stars if we're not reaching for the stars we have to social work ourselves sometimes a lot of times um that is so important you have to have those that self-talk those positive affirmations um you have to You cannot let the way of the world and what other people do, that may be good for other people, you know, but you have to, you have to have boundaries. And like I said, it may not always, not always financial. When I say income, income looks different for a lot of people. Boundaries is one thing. Some people make six, seven figures, but they don't have any boundaries with, with, with their positions. You know, people can call them 24 hours a day. I knew, you know, that's not what I wanted. So create the life that you want, and that is possible.
1: It is absolutely possible. I love that. Yeah. You can't call me all times a day. You used to be able to, but not anymore. So um, I can't believe we're already at our last question here, but we are. I believe there's enough social work for all of us to eat well. What advice? would you give our audience who may be dealing with competition at work or even feelings of stagnation?
0: Hmm. You are the competition. If you focus on you, if you focus on improving you, that's the only, (laughs) there are no other people in your way besides you. We can be in our own ways, but no one else is. You are the only competition. That's what you need to focus on. Get That's out your it. own way. That's Get out your
1: it. own way. Yeah, that deals with the stagnation too. Then, yes, doesn't it. Yes. yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you ever? Because I just kind of want to prolong our conversation. Just a <laughs> minutes. Have you ever dealt with competition at work or stagnation at work? And and is that how you got to this? You are the blueprint. You are the visual baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, my last job, I liked it so much, and I. Um, one thing I loved about it was just, I had great management. My manager was amazing. Um, like I can literally call her and she was just be like, okay, she, she listened before, you know, she talked before she spoke, she listened. And I really appreciated that about her. Um, so I was kind of comfortable and that, that was one reason why I knew I had to leave. (laughs) Because anytime you feel too comfortable, you know, that's when, you know, the boundaries slip, you know, all that type of stuff, because you just get, you can get complacent. So I felt like I can get, you know, too stagnant there. And I was like, yeah, I got to go. Um, so, yeah, that last job was was good. And I just knew it was time to go.
1: Isn't that interesting? I love that, uh, tier actually. Most people, when they find something like that, where they're being well supported, nourished, it's a good job, you're doing it well, because I remember you were even doing it, you could do that job with your hands tied behind your mm-hmm. back, that that is not something that people, mm, it's time to go. You know, that is not usually <laughs> what people think. They're usually like, oh, I'm going to be here forever. I found my forever job. <laughs> but you thought the absolute opposite. And I find that so intriguing that you knew getting too comfortable would be the death of your career.
0: Mm-hmm. And sometimes, because and it's a lot of times it's fear. It's just, mm-hmm. I'm so comfortable in this. What am I, you know, fear of the unknown. What am I going to be walking into? I'm going to get a manager that I might hate or hates me or you know, I may get some colleagues that's just so over the top, but if you don't take that chance, you never know. And I end up walking into a better, you know, situation for what I need right here. You know, as we evolve, personally, we evolve as social workers. So what I needed when I first college, I don't need now. Everything looks different. So I had to walk into who I need now, you know, who I need to be right now in this social work. And this is where I need to be.
1: Absolutely is perfect for you. Pierre, yeah, you look amazing, darling. And I've known you for a little, almost, almost a decade now. Going on yes. a decade now. You look amazing. And so we talk a lot about, you know, being able to do what we tell our clients to do. Do it personally, right? Do you want yes. to... Give us a little bit about your, how you came to look so amazing life. <laughs> where, 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 where did this come
0: from? Yeah, this, this
1: is gorgeousness.
0: It's, um, we preach self-care, like, you know, that's our, you know, it's part, part of our Bible. It's really a part of the social work Bible, but we, do we actually perform it? So I just made sure that I put myself on the calendar before I put anybody else. Before I put my clients, before I put my husband, before I put my kids, you got to put yourself. So that's what I've been doing.
1: And then that's how you focus on you're the competition, you're the blueprint, yes, you're the visual, and it keeps you from being stagnant when you focus on yourself. And yes, your outward appearance is all of that. It shows. <laughs> oh, Again, you. I love, I'm a be a huge. Beyonce fan (laughs) so i will say you are the visual baby you are the visual so and it's also
0: good for your mental health working out is Mm -hmm. the is the therapy that i need so
1: yeah it really is and you know that's one of the first things you know when we have a client who has depression or anxiety what one of the first thing we say well are you exercising i i I always talk about running the energy through you. How are you running the energy through you? And that usually is through, you know, doing some type of exercise, but then we won't do that ourselves, right? And we are holding energy for so many people all day long, and then we just let it sit there and become stagnant. And so how are you Mm -hmm. running that energy through you? And it's evident that you are letting, you're running the energy through you. (laughs) Thank you it was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the, the podcast today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work. And please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.